Good evening and welcome to our watch night service. Just a couple of things to mention uh, before we begin, as today is not just the Lord's Day, uh, but also a New Year's Eve. Uh, evening service is taking the form of our annual watch night service. Uh, that means that instead of following our typical uh, Sunday evening order of service, uh, we'll be following the usual order uh, that we have on Tuesday nights uh, for our whole church Bible study and prayer meeting. So things will be slightly different uh, to the usual uh, Sunday evening. And I mention that not least for the benefit of any who are watching along on the live stream. If you are, it's good to have you join us uh, that way. Uh, but as on Tuesday nights, uh, the live stream will cut at the end of the middle hymn uh, before our time of open prayer. So we trust those watching along will understand that. We hope you'll stay with us until the end of the middle hymn, but understand if we cut you adrift at that, uh, at that point. As we gather for this watch night service, God's word reminds us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us worship God as we join together in singing our opening hymn. It's 182, if you're using a book, 182. Thou art the everlasting word, the Father's only Son. We'll hear the instrumental introduction and then stand to sing the opening hymn.
Let's all pray together. O Lord our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you. Uh, For you are God. There is none uh, besides you. And you are altogether worthy. O Lord, you are holy and we are sinful. How dare we come into your presence. And yet we thank you uh, that we may. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of his shed blood upon uh, Calvary's cross. We thank you that Christ Jesus came into the world uh, to save uh, sinners. We thank you that he lived and died and rose again, that he was crucified at Calvary in our place and for our sin, that he rose again triumphant and victorious, that he is ascended up on high and seated at your right hand, and that one day he shall come again as the king upon the clouds. We thank you, O Lord, for bringing us uh, to uh, the end of another uh, year and uh, that we can end this year as we began it, uh, with the Lord's Day, a gathering uh, with your people as we gather together in your presence on the first morning of the year so we may gather in your presence again on the last evening of the year. And as we survey the year, O Lord, with all its ups and downs for us as individuals and for us as a church, we are conscious of our own failings being so many, but we also praise you that you have been nothing but faithful and good. We thank you, O Lord, that your goodness and your mercy truly have followed us all the days of our lives. And that this day we can praise you for all that is past, as also we can trust you for all that's to come. Knowing that however feeble and fragile our grip upon you may ever be, your grip upon us is firm and strong. May we rest in that grip uh, this evening. And as we uh, prepare to uh, bid an old year a farewell and uh, to uh, begin uh, a new year of life in this world with whatever uh, that may hold, seemingly for good or seemingly uh, for ill. We pray, O Lord, that our confidence, our hope and our trust uh, would be in you alone that we may not be those who are self-righteous or self-confident but rather we might be those who are wholeheartedly dependent upon you that you would help us by your word and by your spirit uh, to live as you would have us to live in uh, the new year so we pray O lord a blessing upon each one gathered this evening upon every family and home represented Any watching along online, we pray, O Lord, that you would bless them too. And as we seek your blessing upon us as a church as we go forward into a new year, so we pray for your people up and down our land and all around the world. Missionaries serving overseas, those who are persecuted for their faith. We pray, O Lord, that you would bless your people wherever they are. And as over recent weeks we have been looking back uh, to uh, the first coming of Christ into the world. Uh, So, O Lord, at this time may we not forget uh, to look uh, forward uh, to his return. We thank you that our Saviour has promised uh, that he is coming uh, quickly. And so our prayer, O Lord, is even so. uh, Come, uh, Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, as you are faithful to us, So we pray, O Lord, that you would keep us uh, faithful to you 
and that we may live under your gracious smile. For we are seize our prayers in our Saviour's matchless name. Amen. Let's hear God's word. Our Bible reading this evening is to be found at the end of the Old Testament, the book of the prophet Malachi. Malachi, the prophet, and uh, beginning to read in chapter 2 at verse 17, and reading into chapter 3 as far as verse 5. So beginning in Malachi chapter 2 at verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years. And I will come near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien, because they do not fear me, as says the Lord of hosts. Amen. And we look to the Lord to add his own gracious blessing to both the reading and the preaching of his own holy word. It's lovely to see boys and girls here as ever on a Sunday evening. I wonder, boys and girls, have you ever said, it's not fair? It's not fair. I'm guessing you have. And the reason I'm guessing you have is because I think we probably all have at one time or another. And it's not just children, but it's adults too. We think things are unfair very often. We think people are unfair very often. Often, And perhaps what we don't always pause to think about is that very often when we are saying that we think things are unfair or that people are unfair, behind that, whether consciously or subconsciously, we are asserting that in reality God is unfair. And on this New Year's Eve, as we are gathered for our watch night service, We look back on 2023 and many people look back on this year and they see uh, what's going on in the world. Uh, They think of the Middle East, for example, and all that's been happening there over the last two or three months. Uh, They think of Ukraine and all that's been happening there for getting on for two years and now 
They think of the cost of living crisis closer to home and many other things, perhaps large and small. And they wonder quite what's going on. And it's not just the world that can think uh, that way. Often as the church, we can think that way too. We live in a world where many Christians are persecuted. And in our Western society, the church of Jesus Christ seems to be increasingly sidelined. And perhaps there are at least times when we wonder quite what's going on. Well, I give you for our text this evening... In this, our last gathering of the year, Malachi chapter 2 and verse 17. This last verse of the second chapter of Malachi's prophecy, almost at the very end of the Old Testament, and particularly the closing words of this verse, Malachi chapter 2 verse 17, the end of the verse, where is the God of justice? Where is the God of justice? And our text will also do as the title of the message. Our theme tonight, where is the God of justice? We live in a society with an increasing concern for justice. But what is it? And what's God a God to do with it? Just to put our text in context for a moment, Malachi is prophesying uh, to uh, the uh, Uh, people of Judah in Israel uh, around 450 BC. That's about four and a half centuries before the coming of Christ into the world. It's about 80 years since uh, God's people returned uh, to their own land and about 50 uh, since uh, the temple had been uh, rebuilt. But things are not well among the people of God. John Benton, in his fine little commentary on Malachi, he he calls that commentary losing touch with the living God. And that's a good title uh, for a commentary on this book. God's people had increasingly lost a touch uh, with their God. Of course, they were tempted to think that the fault was somehow with God. The reality, of course, was that the fault was with them. But they're saying things like what we have in the body of this 17th verse of the second chapter of Malachi. They've been saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them. That's how it seemed to God's people then. That those who were not God's people seemed to be doing better than those who were God's people. God seemed to be smiling upon the ungodly whilst frowning upon his own people. And that is often how it can seem today. The ungodly seem to thrive and to flourish despite their ungodliness. And yet Christians and the church often seem to find themselves on the back foot. And so God's people then were asking, where is the God of justice? And many of God's people today are asking, where is the God of justice? 
So it's a question worthy of our consideration. And the answer, in short, is that he's where he's always been. Where is the God of justice? He's where he's always been. He is always just, and he always acts justly. However much on occasions things may seem to the contrary. So we're thinking about this question, where is the God of justice? Three points. Number one, God is just always. God is just always. We might ask the question, how are God and justice related? You see, I say God is just and we may accept that, but but what does it mean that God is just? How are God and justice related? I was helped recently by someone who put it this way. Some think God's under justice. Some think he's over justice. But the reality is that God sits in the midst of justice. Let me explain. Some think God's under justice. In other words, there's this thing called justice and God is under it and because he is just well that means that he conforms to this thing called justice so God is just because he conforms to what is just but we think for a moment or two and we realize that can't that can't be can it Because God is not influenced or shaped by anything outside of himself. So if God is not under justice, some would suggest, well, he is over justice. Yes, there is this thing called justice. But instead of God being under it, God is over it. And justice is justice because God says that it's justice. And whatever God says is justice, that's justice. But again, we think for a moment or two, and we think that doesn't really hold water either, does it? Something isn't just simply because God says it's just. God could, in theory, then say that anything is just, and it would be just just because he said That it was. So it's not that God is under justice. Nor is it that God is over justice. But it is rather that God sits in the midst of justice. Or to put it another way. That justice is at the very heart of God. That God is just. Because just is what God is. I can't really think of a better way to put it than that. God is just because just is what God is. For God to be unjust would be for him to cease to be God. And as Paul reminds us in his second letter to Timothy, he cannot deny himself. God can't be anything 
but just. I say it reverently. He can't help himself from being just. Just is who he is. Justice is what he does. So let us be in no doubt about this. Let us be fully persuaded of it. God is just. Always. Where is the God of justice? Number two. God acts justly. Always. Because he is just. He acts justly. God acts justly. Always. But someone may feel like shouting out. But does he? Many people would say, what about all the injustice in the world? More to the point, some people would say, what about all the injustice in the church? Well, we must understand the detail in the light of the bigger picture. And there are three key points in world history which highlight for us God acting Justly. They are broadly speaking what we might call the beginning, the middle, and the end. Think with me first of all about the beginning. God acting justly in creation. Genesis 1, we were reminded this morning, it begins in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. It tells us how he did it in six days. And then you remember how Genesis 1 ends, the last verse, verse 31, tells us everything that he had made was, what was it? It was very good. Very good. And then Genesis 2 gives us a more detail about the creation. And particularly Adam and His relationship with God. And what does God establish in his covenant of works with Adam? That if Adam obeys, then he shall live. But if he rebels, then he shall die. And so what do we see here in Genesis 1 and 2 in the account of creation? We see Genesis 1, God made the world just Everything was very good. And we see Genesis 2 that he required justice in his world. Justice in his world that obedience would mean life. But rebellion would mean death. God acting justly in creation. If that's the beginning then think about the middle. And we know the epicenter, the hinge uh, upon which whole of world history turns is, is Calvary and the cross. And so we see God acting justly in salvation. We must understand that justice is no enemy of mercy. And uh, mercy is no enemy of justice. God's mercy does not contradict his justice. But that does leave us with the question of Romans chapter 3. How can God be just and justify the ungodly? In other words, if God would show mercy to sinful people like you and me, how can he show the unjust mercy and still be just? Just. 
And the answer is, by the just dying for the unjust. By the Son of God, the sinless Son of God, bearing our sin in his own body upon the tree. Freely, willingly, gladly. So that our sin is punished, but our souls are saved. The just dies for the unjust. And so a just God is able to show mercy to unjust men and women, young people, boys and girls. God acting justly in salvation. And as he acts justly in creation in the beginning and in salvation in the middle, so come with me to the end. We're fast forwarding, we're looking ahead to the future. God acting justly in judgment. Just because God has not yet righted every wrong does not mean that God will not right every wrong. The Bible speaks of the day of judgment. Also referred to as the last day. And the great day. And the day of the Lord. It's put this way in the middle of Revelation chapter 22. The last chapter of the Bible. That day when those who are unjust will be unjust still. In other words unjust forever. And those who are righteous, with a righteousness not of themselves, but through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are righteous will be righteous still. In other words, righteous forever. And justice will finally be seen to be done. And the unjust and the unrighteous will be punished eternally. But those who are righteous and just in and through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will be blessed forever in glory. So you see, we're given this big picture, this backdrop, if you like, against which we're to see everything else. The beginning, God acting justly in creation. The middle, God acting justly in salvation. The end, God acting justly in judgment. God has acted justly, always. He will act justly, always. And so with that background against that backdrop, we can be confident that he is acting justly, however things may ever seem. And so as God's people, we are called to be those, not who question God's justice, but who are confident in God's justice. Confident in the God of justice. And those who boldly proclaim his justice. That we have a God who is just. Always. And that we have a God who acts justly. Always. But there's something more. As we think about our text. Where is the God of justice. God is just always. God acts justly always. Number three. 
God's people should pursue justice. Always. God's people should pursue justice. Always. Now we know that not everything people call justice in this world is justice. But equally we must acknowledge that not everything that people call justice in this world isn't justice. And the world shouldn't be more concerned about justice than the church. But rather God's heart, which is a heart for justice, should be our heart. We should have hearts for justice too. And we need to understand that justice for Christians begins in the church, but then justice for Christian overflows into the world. Justice for Christians begins in the church. Because we must acknowledge that sadly there has been much injustice in the churches in the past and still in the present. Just to pick a few things almost at random. Racial injustice. Class distinctions. Gender injustice. Abuse of power. Financial abuse. Sexual abuse. These things have been in the world but... To our shame, we confess these things have been in the churches too very often. And we mustn't just think in terms of, well, other people in, in other churches. But we have to think about justice in terms of how I, and the I for me is for me and for you is for you, how I... Think about others. How I talk about others. How I act towards others. Our God is the God of justice. And so as he acts justly, so we are to act justly. And we are to be those who are righteous in our dealings with one another in the church of Jesus Christ. But just as justice for Christians begins in the church, so justice for Christians overflows into the world as we live as individuals wherever the Lord has placed us and as we act as a body in our local community. We are to be concerned about what God is concerned about. And we know that primarily uh, that is the spiritual. The great concern of the church must be the gospel, the good news, the preaching of salvation and how people can be reconciled to God. But though our primary concern must always be spiritual, we are called to be holistic. In other words, to think about the whole person as Jesus did during his earthly life and ministry. So we are to do the same. And we are not to seek to minister to people as if they were disembodied souls. But though the needs of their ever-living, never-dying souls are paramount, yet we are to seek justice in all things. 
There's a classic illustration from Mr. Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great uh, Victorian Baptist preacher, about the tract and the sandwich. You know, if you're going to give uh, a hungry man a tract, uh, then you wrap it round a, a sandwich. Because he doesn't just have a soul that needs to be saved, he has a body that needs to be fed. And it's as you feed his body that you have a right to minister to his soul. And we can apply this to our subject tonight. As Christians, as churches, we should, as our Heavenly Father is, be angered by injustice. And we should delight to show mercy. And it is as we show mercy and have compassion upon people in their ordinary everyday needs that very often the door is open to us then to speak to them about the things that matter most and to bring the gospel meaningfully to their hearts and to their lives. So God is just always. God acts justly always God's people should pursue justice always. Where is the God of justice? He's where he's always been. We live in a changing world, but we have an unchanging God. And as we step out of the old year with all its knowns, into a new year with all its unknowns, we can be confident that our God is just always. That our God acts justly always. And that he is determined that his people should pursue justice always. Among ourselves and in the world in which we are called to live and which we are called to reach for our precious Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to sing our middle hymn now. It's one that we learnt a couple of years ago. We couldn't have learnt it before that because it was only written in 2021, 20, uh, written by Andrew Roycroft, uh, the pastor of Porterdown Baptist Church in uh, Northern Ireland, and now past the year that once our hope Invited. You may be uh, familiar with it, but if you're unfamiliar with the words, you'll be familiar uh, with the tune. It's set to the uh, Londonderry air and uh, a hymn uh, written uh, for this uh, time of year and a very appropriate one for us to sing as part of our watch night service. So again, we'll hear the introduction and then uh, stand to sing. Mm -hmm. 